I really see the Lord doing huge work, um, really in the church nationally here and globally, really just to bring believers back to truth, back to solid theology, um, and really to dependence on him through this COVID crisis, dependence on him uh, for their daily, his daily grace. Hello, and welcome back to season two of the Seeing God podcast. We recorded a separate introduction to season two. If you are new to the podcast or if you've been listening to it for a while, you can hear a little bit more of an intro to what we're doing and what season two is going to look like. For now, we're going to hop right in with our first interview. I will just say really quickly, though, that we have openings for interviews during season two. And if you have a story that you want to share at the end of the podcast, there's information about how you can let us know about that story, whether it's your own story or somebody else's that you would really love to see featured on this podcast. Skip to the end of the podcast and you will hear information about how to get in touch with us about that. Now let's jump into the first episode of season two. Today's episode is a fun one to start off with because I got to interview one of my oldest friends. Her name is Katie Maynard, and she and her husband are missionaries in New Zealand with Chosen People Ministries. Chosen People Ministries exists to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and serve Jewish people everywhere and to help fellow believers do the same. It was founded by a rabbi in Brooklyn in 1894, and now it has ministries in 18 different countries. In New Zealand specifically, it runs backpacker outreaches to serve and interact with Israeli backpackers. That has looked a little different in 2020, and Katie will tell us a little bit about what 2020 looked like for them and what they've seen God do in what she calls the year of the curveball. This is a podcast that tells stories about what God is doing right now in the world. We focus on what is happening with, in, or through Christians. The Bible says in Psalm 107 verses 1 and 2, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. I'm your host, Emma Moore. Let's get started. So Katie, welcome. Thank you. We're going to start off with talking about what this year has looked like for you. Yeah, actually, um, just as a quick note, we arrived one year ago yesterday. So it was actually the beginning of December 2019. So yeah, the year definitely went a little differently uh, than what we expected. So like I said, we arrived the beginning of December 2019. We arrived not exactly sure where we would land as far as like a permanent location. Um, As you said a few minutes ago, our ministry runs backpacker hostels for Israeli tourists that come through the country. Um, And we have multiple locations and facilities. And so um, our ministry was in the process of procuring a new facility. So 
we weren't really sure where we'd where we'd land. Um, we ended up settling in the town of Dunedin, which is pretty much as far south on the globe you can live, <laughs> besides uh, a scientific uh, outpost in Antarctica, I believe. Um, yeah, <laughs> so the southern tip of the South Island, and um, yeah, our hope and our prayer for moving here, uh, going back quite a few years, was to um, just take the opportunity that the Lord has put in New Zealand for thousands of young Israelis traveling here, really to the ends of the earth, and um, use it to share Messiah with them. And we've, over the past 10 to 12 years, the ministry here has seen so much fruit from this type of outreach. We just really couldn't wait to, to get started. So that was our hope and our anticipation. And as every single listener knows, come March, you know, a short three months, really three, four months after arriving, the world shut down and we were just finishing up our summer season, just getting our feet wet with the culture and adjusting, getting um, our two young boys used to, you know, living away from grandparents, uh, making new friends and all of that, which comes with a move, let alone an international move. And the end of our season, all of a sudden we start hearing things about COVID or coronavirus really was what it was then. There was no <laughs> COVID-19. And um, we watched all of our Israeli guests and all of our international believing volunteers leave in a mass exodus, pun intended, um, <laughs> within, within a week. Within a week, it was crazy. And the final week they were staying with us, that was the only thing they were talking about was like trying to book flights, trying to get out of the country, you know, where they didn't want layovers in, in China. They didn't want layovers in Asia really at all. So they're trying to get as direct the flights as possible. So yeah, it was like, holy smokes. Okay. Well, that seems smart. You know, their parents want them home. Um, they're most of these backpacking Israelis are in their early twenties and their parents are, usually very supportive of their, of their international travel. And so the parents were like, you need to come back. And so we saw them all leave and we just expected that it would, you know, be kind of short lived. We're going into the winter season anyway, and uh, not use, we don't usually see many Israelis uh, do season over is like what we call it. So they usually will leave at some point in the fall, early winter or, They'll stay um, in one place and not do a lot of travel. But anyway, they all left and we assumed, okay, we'll see them next summer. And uh, it's summer and the borders are closed. So that's kind of like a, a really brief overview of what the year looked like, what we anticipated and uh, what, what, what kind of happened. Yeah. So what, have you been doing instead? You thought that you'd be able to be building relationships yeah. with Israelis who are coming through, getting to know some of them, the ones that might have stayed a little bit longer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And instead, you're just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I'm no. sure you're doing lots of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? It, it, it looks so much different than we anticipated. Um, usually, the winter season consists of um, you know, my husband, Brendan, speaking at churches, uh, presenting the ministry, working with local 
families and individuals who host Israelis in their home. Um, and, and that's pretty much what the ministry looks like throughout the winter. But because of COVID, you know, churches closed down, people weren't meeting. Um, and so everything went to Zoom, <laughs> which is, I mean, it's great that we can connect, but it's, it is really, really challenging to uh, be in a new country, not really have a support base, try, and you're trying to build that um, through those online platforms. But we gave it a go, and um, my husband created quite a bit of YouTube content um, talking about Messianic prophecy, um, end times theology, uh, the Lord's heart for Israel, all that kind of stuff that kind of speak to the reasons why we do what we do. And so there's been plenty of work to do, but it's just not the kind of work that we anticipated. Um, within hostile ministry, it looks on a day-to-day basis a lot like hospitality management. So you're running a facility, you're changing beds, you're booking guests in and out. And then on top of that, you're also, from a ministry perspective, running uh, Shabbat meals. So Friday night, which is the sab- beginning of the Sabbath. Um, we would host, um, dinners so that all the guests could come and we could fellowship together and light the, light the candles and say the prayers. Also like weekly Christmas nights where we would do outreaches and things like that. So a lot more face-to-face interaction. Now we find ourselves basically trying to get the local church and the local community around us excited about the mission. So all good stuff, just different. (laughs) Yeah. So what have you seen God do in the midst of that? Oh, well, I mean, there's so much <laughs> that I could say. Um, I could speak on a personal level, which I will in depth, but as far as what the as far as the ministry and the group of us that do this work here, I mean it's been really, really sanctifying. A few of us on our team, which consists of, I believe, 10 staff members for the entire country, so both North and South Island, a few of us are Americans. The rest are are Kiwis, are New Zealanders. Um, But, you know, it it caused all of us to re, you know, really reevaluate what we're doing and how the Lord's plans are bigger than ours, like, I'm probably going to botch the verse, but the verse that says uh, man makes his uh, plans, but the Lord directs his steps. That's Katie version. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's true. Like we, we have, we have these hostels. We have like tons of volunteers each season. We think, wow, we're really onto something. We've, we've created something sustainable. That's growing. This is, this is like, it's so encouraging. Um, and then all of a sudden the Lord pulls the rug out from what we're doing, so to speak, uh, all within like a week and the borders close and New Zealand has some of the strictest border policies in the entire globe. So we're, you know, if, if, if we didn't admit to thinking like, wow, Lord, what are you doing? We would be, we would be dishonest. There has to have been times that each of us on this, on the staff thought like, okay, what's next for us living this uh, far away from where we come from uh, for some of us and um, relying on international support 
and we don't know how the economy is going to be. Um, it just, it was um, faith evaluating, I, I guess I could sum it up um, for the group. And I think that um, that's a really good place to be. Uh, it can be very humbling, but when you've committed your life to serving the Lord and desiring to know him more deeply each day, we kind of want these challenges in a way. We, as soon as they come into our life, we're like, oh boy, I wasn't ready yet. I know I've been praying for it every day for you to really like challenge and change me and, and grow me and sanctify me, but I'm not really ready yet. <laughs> um, but it's, it's the only way that we grow is by challenges and is by trials and suffering. And so anyway, that kind of segue is just like into what, you know, I've seen the Lord doing in my life through this. Um, so my husband is the one that's on staff. I'm actually not on staff. I, I'm, um, I'm a support individual from the home. So I don't do a lot of the the speaking at churches. I, I will go occasionally and, and uh, support my husband and stuff. But, you know, moving internationally with a family is so challenging. So that was a huge hurdle to begin with. Then the whole prospect of closed borders, uh, the mission that we came here to do being stalled, and then the prognosis of going back to America to visit family at any time in the near future is completely off the table. Uh, those things were so upsetting. And so, I mean, emotionally devastating in a lot of ways. I mean, I couldn't help but think at times like, what, what did we do? If we would have just stayed put for a few more months, we would have seen this coming and we wouldn't have left and it would have been fine. We would have been back <laughs> in safe America. Yeah, right. Not safe. No, we're safe. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you say as, as I currently have COVID in America, yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. fine. But um, thankfully. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> but yes, good point. Yeah. And, you know, we would have been safe. We would have, you know, been with family. We could have, um, you know, ridden out all of the political craziness that also transpired this year. But like, who am I really to question what, what God was placing before me to do? And even if it doesn't look like what I thought it was, doesn't mean that it isn't something incredibly important and incredibly like a part of God's sovereign plan for all of this. It's like, it's not outside of that. So, um, that's been a big, a big thing for me this year. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. Well, and you didn't mention it, but also add to the fact yeah. that you are having a baby in a, you know, a little over a month right. <laughs> and that adds to it too, not being able to see your family and having a new baby on the way. Definitely. And, and the, the emotions of pregnancy and all of that added to what is already right. incredibly challenging yeah. in any situation. Right. I, I've, I've, I frequently describe this past year as like levels of difficulty. So the first few weeks trying to find a place to live, like try, trying to find a rental house was really hard. Like the housing market uh, is, in New Zealand 
if you look at any international news and you are looking at economic reports, you'll see New Zealand has a housing crisis. There's not enough places to live for the amount of people. And so we had a, that was huge. Well, that's like chump change compared to, uh, (laughs) you know, losing, losing your entire ministry focus in Israeli backpacker ministry, the mass exodus of those guests. And then, you know, the pregnancy challenges and, uh, all that COVID's brought as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And in the midst of it, what you're saying is that you, it sounds like are, that God is humbling you Mm. Mm. and, and leading you to a place where you're like, okay, who am I to say that this isn't right or good? Yes. Yes, exactly. And, um, something I've been thinking, um, a lot about is like, am I, really happy to praise and serve and love God in times of ease only. If that's true, if I'm only happy to, to serve God when everything is exactly as it should be in my human economy, then, then I have a shallow faith. (laughs) I have a faith that that's defined by my own circumstances and what I perceive to be right and good. And, um, it's just not, it's not biblical. Yeah. in in, in this past year, thinking through the cir- these circumstances and where my faith is at, it has been incredibly humbling and refining, but I've sensed the Lord closer really to me than ever because I need him so much more. And I've, I've recognized that need. Um, I, I came across a book that was recommended to my husband and I by a friend here Um, And it's called The Saving Life of Christ. It's by Major Ian Thomas. It's pretty short, so I highly recommend it. It's a great read, but it's not one that you want to fly through. It's like read a chapter and like meditate on it. But it's all about how we put our energy, whether it's mental, physical, emotional energy towards things for the Lord And a lot of the time, they're works of the flesh versus being works of the spirit. In reading this, it's been really challenging for me to think through, like like I've just been saying, you know, my circumstances and how I had envisioned what ministry and what life like would be like here. And what I desire it to be like is is my of my own paradigm and really the lord is is working in his ways to achieve whatever he desires and so am i am i finding myself burning myself out toiling to try to create this vision that isn't his and um isn't as fruitful as it could be because i'm working of my flesh rather than working of the spirit that's within me um which is calling me to maybe something different than I originally thought. Yeah. So this year, God has been removing the possibility to do some of those works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you, you wanted that or not. Mm. And um, it, I imagine that there are lots of things that he is preparing or that are in the works that you can't see yet. Right. And that maybe down the line, you'll get to see, oh, that's what God was building during that time. And it does make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe you won't, but are there any things that you can pinpoint, whether big or small, that 
you would say are works of the spirit that God is bringing about? Yeah, I think for sure right now, um, our gears have shifted a bit to our local community and our local, um, congregation that we fellowship with on Sundays and, um, ministering alongside them and, and just what you would call normal everyday Christian ministry. So my husband's involved in, you know, fortnightly every two weeks, uh, rally group for like the ages eight to 12 and a Bible banter on Monday, which is like a young men's Bible study. We're also hosting a Bible study in our home. Um, just think these everyday kind of things, not these, not the extreme hostile backpacker, South Island, New Zealand picture. But what somebody might say is just, like I said, everyday normal church ministry and functions of, of that local community. And um, I really see the Lord doing huge work um, really in the church nationally here and globally, really just to bring believers back to truth, back to solid theology um, and really to dependence on him through this COVID crisis, dependence on him uh, for their daily, his daily grace. Um, And I think a lot of people in church that sit in pews who maybe have nominal faith, you know, we've, I've been reading statistics like through the Barna group and things like that. Like it's unfortunate to see how many people aren't returning to church as they're opening, reopening. It's like very, very unsettling. But at the same time, we have to look at those statistics and think to ourselves, okay, God's not outside those God is not outside those people and those numbers. And he's, he's calling those people that return or go to another fellowship. He, he is calling his church back to himself and to solid truth and solid theology. You know, maybe they've been asleep. Maybe they have been um, away from him. So I see that happening within our community so much since the wake of COVID and the return uh, back to church. The people that are there are serious about learning about him and fellowshipping together, more thankful for fellowship than ever. I think that's, that is definitely the work of the spirit. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I saw that you just published a new update on your ministry page that yeah. I was reading today. Mm-hmm. And it looks like you have had another change of plans, not even necessarily related to COVID, but just that God has changed what you were thinking was a possibility. So can you tell us a little bit about that change too? Sure. So I'm sure pretty much none of the listeners, or maybe only a few will know, um, you know, our story as far as um, all the little bits and pieces that kind of make up the, our experience here and what we do specifically. But our, our ministry leadership has, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, has been um, really led to purchase a, another facility to run as a hostel. And so when we uh, chose to come to New Zealand, they had in mind a specific facility on the West Coast of the country in a town called Tiana. It was a beautiful just a beautiful hostel in uh, the Fjordlands. Uh, if, you, if you were to Google um, New Zealand Fjordlands, you would just see like glacially 
cut mountain passes with just this incredible views and uh, amazing great walk treks. And um, it's really like an adventure capital of uh, New Zealand and the South Island. So they had planned to purchase a property down there. It had been in the works for quite a few years. We were slated to manage that property. A couple weeks ago, about a month ago, um, our director made an offer, which the Lord had graciously and abundantly provided for through the donations of so many partners with Chosen People Ministries and Celebrate Messiah New Zealand. So many excited people, which is really, really cool. And uh, we made the, he made that offer. And unfortunately, the owner decided to reject the offer and put a hold on selling in the hopes that he would, he could sell it for more after like the economic recession that's sort of starting within commercial real estate and things like that once that passes. So it was really shocking because our director had been in conversations with this guy for quite a few years and uh, he knew it was going to be used for ministry. He knew our hearts to, to open it up to uh, Israelis um, for free accommodation. And uh, we, we'd been praying about it forever and it just, uh, the Lord closed that door. When that, when that happened, we we're like, okay, we kind of reassess like, well, what, what should we do? Should we continue the search for another place? Or does this, is this kind of like a pause on the entire idea for our ministry and for our work? And, you know, our, our board of directors um, decided that they just thought it was um, not a pause on the concept because it's, it's actually a great time to buy if you have the funds. And so uh, we just reassessed. And now uh, the leadership has found another property in an area called Punakaiki, which is also on the West Coast, but far more north. It's about 10 hours from Dunedin, where we live. It's literally on the beach, literally on the beach, <laughs> looking out into the Tasman Sea. Um, Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really incredible looking. My family and I are going to go and see it in this coming week. It'll be a little bit, a, a smaller facility where we're hoping to do a lot more one-on-one um, discipleship of Israelis that have a real spiritual hunger, which we see a fair number of them who it's like, if we just had a quieter, smaller facility and we could kind of get them to come there and hang for a couple weeks, maybe we could really start talking about deeper, even deeper things and uh, really get them uh, excited about, about Yeshua. And so that's the heart uh, and the vision behind this, this property in Punakaiki. And um, my family, like I said, we're going to go visit next week and just see like, all right, is this, is this the place that we're supposed to work? Because if the, you know, just because the ministry feels that it's a good investment and profitable for ministry to have in general, it doesn't always mean that we're the people slated by the Lord to run it. So it's (laughs) even more uh, soul searching and time spent in prayer. It's a, it's a pretty remote place. It's like 40 minutes from the closest gas station, the closest grocery store, any churches. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty remote. So we'll, we will see. Yeah, that's wild. And yeah, another 
another decision. Yeah. Yeah. Brendan always presents this year as um, the year of the curveballs. And and to use a baseball terminology and terminology in uh, New Zealand is always funny because they don't play baseball. They play cricket. <laughs> and so when he gets up to the pulpit and says, so when life throws you a curveball and then they're like, what's a curveball? <laughs> Maybe we know, but not always. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but one thing that I think is cool about what you're saying and where I'm really seeing God listening to you is, you know, the thing that we're seeing everywhere, right? That I'm seeing everywhere on my social media is basically like, can 2020 just be over already? Yeah. We're so tired of it. It's the worst year of all time. Everything bad has happened. And we just want to get back to a comfortable life where right. we can see people that we love and and do normal things and get back to some of what we think life should be about. And while you're expressing some of that same emotion as any human would, I think, what you've also said is that this is really what you want as a Christian, that when you're in a relationship with God and your goal is to be in a deeper relationship with him, you want to grow. You want to be challenged. You want him to force you closer to himself. Mm. So you're actually saying 2020 has been super hard, the year of the curveball. And we don't necessarily feel productive or we don't feel like we know what we're supposed to be doing, um, that we're fulfilling our mission, but we are grateful for the fact that God is directing it and we can trust him and we know that he's going to sanctify us and bring us closer to him. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. There's definitely been times this year that I've thought, oh my gosh, worst year ever. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely miserable. I should be on medication every kind. And, and I, this is just, this is awful. This is not, but, but that's totally overlooking what God is doing. Yeah. And so I can say, hands down, most challenging year, but I wouldn't, and I really am glad I don't have to relive it ever. I don't have to make the choice. Okay, Katie, you going to relive this or not? Because I would be tempted to say no, but the amount of, um, of growth because of it, I mean, it's just... I don't even, I can't even think of a catchy, a catchy phrase, but it's just undeniable and it's, it's priceless. And so I think a lot of times we think that serving God and like you had just mentioned, feeling productive and doing the mission is really the goal, but it's not the goal in life as believers is to know and love God just to know and love him. And anything, any service is is a byproduct of that. And so if we don't truly know and love and 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 cherish the Lord, there there's no worthy service or byproduct that comes from it. And so we have to get back to that that basis. And I think that's uh what God's doing in my life and in my family and I see within um the church at large. Hmm. That is a really natural transition into one of my favorite questions to ask people. And this can be not necessarily in the past year, although we've focused a lot on the past year for you, but 
just generally over the course of your relationship with God, have you had any favorite moments with him? Anything that really jumps out at you? I, I guess I'd have to say in the in the more recent past, the Lord made himself very clear and near to me in a time when I was experiencing um, a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry and a lot of just inner turmoil. Uh, this was before we came to New Zealand. Um, it was the beginning of 2019. And I was experiencing a season of really like insomnia and restlessness. And some of that could have been biological hormones, different things, but it really put me in a, in put me to a breaking point where I was um, reevaluating myself and my faith. And the Lord proved to be so near to me in that those nights of like restlessness and no sleep and exhaustion that I clung to certain scriptures because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so his words are the same, uh, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. And so I'm, I'm clinging to these scriptures and these truths and, you know, I'm hearing them not in an audible voice, but I'm, I'm hearing them through the Holy spirit and his <clears throat> teaching me. Um, and so I just, that was another time where I could look back and say, Oh, that was the hardest time ever. Or, that was awful. And it was, it was, but, um, it was so sweet because I, again, I needed him so much that I, I was desperate for his words and desperate for his comfort and desperate for the truth. And so, yeah, I would say that's one that really sticks out to me and actually has been a tutor for me through this past year, because if he was near to me when I was just, when I was sleepless and, um, full of anxiety and worry, you know, he can be, he is near to me, um, in the midst of all these other crazy circumstances. You mentioned that there will, there were several scriptures that you clung to during that time. Yeah. You know, I actually have them all written down on file cards and they, they were in this, in this Bible that I have that I'm looking at right now and must've slipped out. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't have those at the moment. That would be really good, though. That would be. I, can actually, I, can, I have one, um, but I have like a, a file, a little like set of like six that I would just like read through, and I was really meditating on quite a bit. But um, one I do have that I've come back to um, in the past year um, is in Second Corinthians chapter one, where Paul is talking about. God being the God of all comfort, um, as we patiently endure suffering, uh, and we can be confident in our sufferings. He goes on to talk about um, God's rescue, saying, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. And I like to put in, in, in the province of New Zealand. <laughs> Don't suggest doing that in all cases, but it's kind of <laughs> We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. 
But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did raise us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. So we don't always find ourselves in like mortal danger. But I think the God who Paul speaks of in those uh, verses 8 through 10, you know, he's the same He's the same Lord that's as near and able, um, not dependent on mortal danger. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I was just reading uh, this morning in Psalm 68, a verse that says that he's the God of deliverances, plural. Yeah. Um, Which is what you're talking about. (laughs) Right. Lots of times. Doesn't have to be like the worst of the worst for God to be delivering. Um, he cares about the little, the little stuff, which really, which really builds our faith. It's like building of the monument, you know, it's like little stones that fit in and then you create bigger ones and then it becomes this whole big pillar of our faith. Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. So we're, we're going to wrap up pretty soon, but I wanted to ask if there was anything as you were thinking about where you've been seeing God, um, how you've been seeing him act and how you recognize him at work and all of those kinds of questions. If there's anything else that you wanted to mention that you want to make sure um, to communicate about God. I talked about that book, Major Ian Thomas, The Saving Life of Christ, and our work really needing to come from the spirit versus um, works of the flesh, which make us feel really burned out for working in the flesh and working of our own desires to try to achieve and do and, and be an ideal Christian, you know, we're going to be exhausted and we're going to be going through the motions. We're not going to be uh, enabled by the spirit for good works. We're, we're going to feel like we need another nap and all of that in conjunction with um, a hymn that I found recently. Um, the pastor, who was speaking at our church on Sunday mentioned it as he spoke about our need for God's grace. So when we're working in the spirit, we rely on God's power and God's grace to enable us to do things for his glory. It's not of ourselves. And so this, this pastor speaking about grace and um, he mentions uh, the hymn called he giveth more grace by Annie Flint. And some of the words in this, it just really spoke to me and um, I've been meditating on them the past few days and I thought I'd just briefly share if I'm not sure if you've heard this one or not, but he giveth more grace when burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase to added afflictions. He addeth his mercy to multiplied trials. He multiplied peace. When we've exhausted our store of endurance and when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, When we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our father's full giving is only begun. And that line, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, man, it's like so good. It's so good. It's like, it's true. We, we, we hold back sometimes uh, thinking, okay, these are my limits. This is what I, what I know to do. This is how it should be. What, you know, all these parameters we put on ourselves. And, and when we find ourselves exhausted to the end of that, because of whatever it is, you know, the end of our resources, our father's full giving is only begun. 
And that is so rich and so true and speaks, I think, completely to the concept of living and working of the spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And so very relevant all the time. And I think specifically for, as we've talked about a lot for years like this, where we really feel the end of our resources approaching. For everybody. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Katie, for being with us and for being open about your year of curveballs and what God has looked like in the midst of it and how he's been near to you. Oh yeah. My pleasure. I mean, it's a humbling thing to be asked to to answer these questions in a public public format when day to day you're wrestling with them. But I think that that's exactly what the purpose of the podcast is, you know, to be uh, raw and to be transparent because we're all in some way going through very similar things as we walk with the Lord and grow in faith. Psalm 107 verse 43 says about stories like this, those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history, the faithful love of the Lord. If you have a story you'd like to share, or you know of someone who does, please go to our website at www.seeinggodpodcast.wordpress.com and click on submit a story. God is doing things all over in all of his people. And we want to know about as many stories as possible. So please do go to the website and submit a story. Also, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode or the podcast in general. You can tweet us at God Seeing or comment on our Instagram or Facebook pages at Seeing God Podcast. You can also email us at seeinggodpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert, and our show music is Siberia by Dmitry Lukyanov. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seeing God. Seeing God.